0: Hello, insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, along with Inside Track co host, Eb Wilkinson, coming to you live from the luxurious Wilkinson Wealth Management Studios located in the KVOI broadcast complex. And we welcome you to a special legislative edition of Inside Track. Producer Tom also joins us running the board and taking your calls.
1: And Bruce and I want to remind you to please support our great sponsors. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail, 209 1576, Corazon Cabinets, 488 2266, and Essential Pest Control, 886 3029. And they are over at TAMMY's right now as we speak.
0: Awesome. Also supporting Inside Track is the aforementioned and kind of froggy voice sounding Ebb Wilkinson from Wilkinson Wealth Management. Ebb will help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call for Ebb at 777 1911. Ebb and I support all of our great locally owned family run businesses who support our show. So should you, Ebb.
1: And as promised, we've got a very special guest who we've been waiting for a long time to hear from, the post-election period and the House Speaker election, the U.S. House member from Congressional District 2, former Navy SEAL Eli Crane.
0: First time U.S. Congressman Eli Crane joins us for the next few minutes, and before we hear from him, let me tell you what one of his fellow first time Congress, congressional colleagues, Derek Van Orden, fellow retired U.S. Navy SEAL, said about him. He's doing this for what he thinks is the right reason, and he went on to add, and there are a couple of people in this conference who aren't doing that. Um, Thanks for joining us today, Congressman Crane. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Derek Van Orden. Um, You kept your own counsel last week, unlike some others. Uh, You're someone who really is principled. What did you make of your first week in Congress, sir?
2: You know, it was a wild first week, Bruce. Uh, Thanks for having me on. And, um, but at the same time, you know, it was a good first week. I'm proud to be a part of uh, the small group of 20 conservatives in the Republican conference that, um, you know, basically stood up to leadership and uh, forced some serious concessions. Returning much of the power in this conference back to the individual members themselves. Um, and I think that we also uh, sent a message to this entire Congress that uh, a business won't be conducted as usual the next two years. Um, we will force a more conservative path um, for this federal government. And I think that's a good thing for all Americans. <laughs>
0: So this was a this was a tough week. Uh the press pummeled you. Other uh, uh Republicans not you personally, but other uh, Republicans pummeled the group. Uh and um uh certainly some Republican pundits, you know, in the media whether they be on cable or radio were were pounding on you guys. Um you know when when you're you, you said that you were representing the sentiments of the district uh, you represent when you withheld your vote for mccarthy uh that's yeah. a that's a real high standard and i appreciate that it's a difficult standard to maintain uh how do you plan to do that as you continue because uh, we're now in the voting process on different bills and resolutions uh, both on the floor as well as in committee
2: yeah, well, I think it's uh, I think it's important that some of these debates took place on on the front end, and uh, you know it is difficult, Bruce, when you have that much pressure on you, um, when you have you know the majority of your conference, um, you know, on a complete different side of the aisle, and then you have a lot of the mainstream or mainstream media against you and even you know a lot of conservative media that you respect um you know not in the same camp as you as well but at the end of the day bruce i listened to the people in my district for the last year and a half tell me the exact same thing over and over and over again they did not want the status quo up here um they want change up here And for that to happen, Bruce, it is going to take individuals like me who are willing to stand in the fire and take that pressure and take those slings and arrows. That is something I said I was willing to do. I proved it last week and I will continue to prove it over the course of the 118th Congress.
0: So let's get to uh, some some business points. Um, The uh, committees uh, are, are in the process of being set. Have you received any of your own um, committee assignments yet?
2: Well, Bruce, to be honest, I think they're going to put me down in the uh, broom closet and uh, with no committees. No, that was a joke, Bruce. A <laughs> but it's, it is possible. But we'll, you know, we'll see. Bruce, I put in uh, to be on the Natural Resources Committee, just like I told my uh, constituents I would. I put in for the Homeland Security uh, Committee as well, Foreign Affairs, Veterans Affairs. Um, and so, you know, we, we've uh, we've put in for those committees. We'll see where we wind up. And no matter where I wind up, Bruce, I'll do the best job that I can, um, you know, honoring the promises that I made uh, to my constituents. And I'll continue to promote America First values. And uh, I'm looking forward to my, my assignment.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, again, uh, quoting uh, Derek Van Orden, um, he said Kevin McCarthy uh, has said, and he says he's crystal clear that... Uh, Everybody uh, here uh, who who didn't vote for him, there's not going to be any retribution. Um, again, we'll we'll see how that uh, how that plays out. I, I'll take him as a man of of his word for now. Uh, in in terms of In terms of the priorities that you see uh, in Congress, um, and let's just take it for let's say the next six months. Wh- what do you think? are the two biggest things that have to come out of this new Republican Congress uh, during uh, the next six months?
2: Well, I think uh, I'm I'm really excited about the uh, new subcommittee that we just voted on uh, to combat the CCP. I think that's a great thing. Um, I, I think that we've been asleep on China for a long time, and it's definitely time that that threat is addressed um i also like the fact that just the other night um, we passed um legislation to uh, defund 87,000 irs agents um you know over the next you know couple days um i'm going to be co-sponsoring a, a bill on uh, second uh, you know uh concealed carry reciprocity uh nationwide and we, we're off to the races bruce we got a lot of good things going you know it will be tough because we don't you know we're not in control in the senate we're obviously not in control of the presidency um but i think at the very least when you look at that rules package that was put forward um largely because of the efforts and and, and the willingness to of you know sacrifice of the 20 conservatives that were pushing um us more in a more conservative direction you know i think that at the very least we're going to be able to stop a lot of the madness that americans have been experiencing for the last two years under this biden administration and furthermore i think the investigations that um, jim jordan and the judiciary and oversight are going to be launching um into our own FBI, our federal government are, are going to be very exposing. And I think America, the American people need to see um, how this federal government has been weaponized against them. And I hope it builds a groundswell of support to return these organizations, um, you know, back to what they were meant to be. And, you know, non nonpartisan organizations that were focused on justice for all.
0: I know one of the things that has just come out of uh, of the Republican conference uh, is um, a a measure to um, uh, impeach Secretary Mayorkas, um, who has been doing uh, just about the worst job uh, anybody could uh, conceive on the border. Uh, Is that something that you supported as well?
2: 100%, Bruce. complete dereliction of duty. Um, as far as I'm concerned, and it's just, I mean, it, it, it just goes to show you that finally President Biden has visited the southern border, um, you know, af- after deciding he's going to run again after two years of comp- not only ignoring it, but putting policies in place um, that actually make it, you know, easier for people to come into this country and, you know, take taxpayer dollars from hardworking Americans and using it, you know, to subsidize um the illegal entry of you know people from hundred and fifty countries all over all over the world. it's just it's an abomination from what's happening at the southern border and uh, I am one hundred percent on board to impeach secretary Mayorkas.
0: so what one one final point uh, if I can make with you before we leave uh, today um and it has to do it gets back to the to the rules uh, fight that uh, uh, the Republican conference had uh, last week, uh, and I think there's a bigger issue that faces Congress, and it's it not that not that the the rules uh, battle was was insignificant, but the bigger issue for for the U.S. Congress is, for decades, Congress has continually ceded their power to the executive, and and hence to the administrative state. Uh, isn't that really the biggest challenge that Congress has and this Republican Congress has um, taking um, the the role that they're supposed to take in three co-equal branches of government?
2: You know, I think it is definitely one of the major problems, Bruce. I think you're you're right about that. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to undermine, you know, what was just passed in this rules package. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, you remember hearing Nancy Pelosi say years ago, "Well, we have to pass this legislation so we can find out what's in it." That's the type of garbage that takes place up here on a daily basis. One of the rules um, that we forced. Into this Congress was, you know, 72 hour rule where we have to have the legislation for 72 hours so we actually have time to read it before we can vote on it. You would think that would be common sense, but it's everything is like opposite world up here. And so we had to take, you know, we had to uh, work really hard to force some of these rules, germaneness, um, single subject, you know, legislation where you know you'll have you'll have legislation like the farm bill or the ndaa where they'll throw so much pork and special interest into those bills that have nothing to do with farming or nothing to do with national defense and you know those are some of the rules that you know this congress has you know adopted and put in place and so i think that the american people will see a difference in how this town is being run over the next couple years and i'm just glad to be a part of it bruce
0: Congressman Eli Crane, thanks for joining us. I hope you will check in here often over the upcoming term. Well, we thank Eli for that uh, great interview. It's one of the first uh, that he's done uh, since the um, uh, chairmanship, uh, the, the speaker race uh, a couple about a week or so ago, and um, we wish him well. Eben um, and I support Eli uh, because he is a principled uh, man, and, and I think he's going to bring that principal leadership to Congress. And I think, Eb, the most important thing is he's listening to his constituents. Which is what they all should do. And they don't. Um, And he's put together a very good staff. I've already had some contact with them. Um, and uh, he's agreed to visit with us frequently as the session unfolds. So I'm thankful for that. And we'll have uh, Juan Ciscomani on uh, the show also very soon. Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break. You're listening to Inside Track on KVOI, trusted local news and talk. When we return, we'll speak with friend of the show, longtime leader in the Arizona legislature, Vince Leach, who will be spending the balance of the show with us today. No station flipping. We'll be right back. <music> Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have
2: So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences.
3: We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is, A, we sell scrap to the mill. So uh, we have a relationship there, and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight, and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever
0: you need. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday.
1: Essential pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science.
2: You mean you don't use a shoe?
1: (sighs) No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment,
2: people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com.
4: This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management reminding you that every good and excellent thing stands moment by moment on the razor's edge of danger and must be fought for, including getting out of debt, building your wealth, and protecting your God-given right. We manage money for gun owners. Let us help you retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.
0: Welcome back to Inside Track. We invite all of you listening to call in to 520-790-2040 on the Wilkinson Wealth Management Live Line. Old Eb is right here with us. uh, as as I uh, as I speak with you, a little froggy today, uh, and let producer Tom know if you have a relevant question for our guest Senator Vince Leach. Now it's time to hear from the senator uh, from LD 11. This is the first of what we hope will be several chats discussing the 2023 legislative session, which has started earlier this week, as well as in-depth looks into Arizona state politics and policy. Hey, Vince, welcome to the show. What are your impressions after having listened to the governor's address uh, to the Republican Majority Legislature early this week? Well,
3: I've uh, I've capsulized it down to, to one word. Uh, disappointing, Bruce. Uh, very disappointing. I've heard with, like, wish lists and all that, but very disappointing. And, and disappointing on two fronts. And I can expand that. Disappointing in the what we have done what the legislature have done the electives have done at the state capitol uh, over the last eight years um, and you know we we put money into water we can talk about that a little later uh, we put money into the border we've put a ton of money into uh, uh, infrastructure and roads uh, some of which much might be held up because the feds didn't, uh, didn't give us the money that we thought we were going to get from them. Uh, disappointed because there's a movement to uh, potentially take away the choice that parents have and where, where the kids get educated, uh, which is, uh, is, is basic uh, to the American way of life. Disappointed because we have paid down debt. We have freed up so much money. To spend on things that we should be spending on, and we've eliminated the pension debt, which was costing, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. We've got uh, we've, we've got uh, money going into uh, our prisons, and we've got money going into our, our police. We put money in the 20 by 20 20 percent by 2020 several years ago, when I was still in the House. Uh, for for teacher pay, uh, and we've put an extremely large amount of money into education, and that's going to be the basic of what, when I start talking about uh, the, the governor's presentation. Bruce, when, when I started uh, in 2015, uh, total money that was going into schools, that means uh, the state money, uh, money from... Uh, the the listeners, uh, uh, real estate tax, and that money coming from the federal government was just over nine thousand uh, dollars per student, and that'll vary depending on a particular student's need. But but on average, it was nine thousand dollars. The year that we finished up uh, in July thirty June thirtieth, we were spending. Just short of sixteen thousand, fifteen thousand five hundred and seventy dollars per student. That indicates that we were putting a lot of money. A lot of money was going into the education world. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it didn't reflect in the in the scores. So, why I'm disappointed on that end is that we set the ball up. It's like tee ball. We're putting the ball up on the tee. Um, and and say Arizona can move forward we've we've taken a lot of the the boulders a lot of the roadblocks out of the way that were in the way of good government good fiscal practices in the state we've brought companies in i mean there was a poll that was done not too long ago 600 top executives across the country said where should where would you like to go to set up your business and that was the state of arizona and we've seen that we've seen it in tucson uh we've seen it certainly in the valley up around phoenix but i didn't hear anything about the growth uh that we had done fortunately she kept on uh the uh arizona commerce authority uh leader sandra watson that will help keep those ties but there was nothing about growing the economy uh in the there was nothing uh about doing anything in our prisons that are woefully in need of money. We put a lot of money into it in the last several years. There was nothing but two hundred and well, two hundred and some million dollars additional money going into education. Very disappointed. Um, I I heard her in person. I heard the speech in person, and it was about a forty some minute speech, and about thirty minutes of that was taken up on education. Not anything, Bruce. Not anything that would say that Johnny and Susie are going to be able to read, uh, by third grade or by eighth grade. Uh, nothing on that line, just more money for education, like, uh, going into the administration. Very disappointed, disappointed on both ends, uh, that governor, any governor coming in after the last eight years had it all set up and just could run with it. Uh, and, and I just see, uh, I see that the oars going the wrong way, if not boat anchors.
1: So talk about the Republican leaders in both houses versus the Democrat leaders.
3: Well, the Republican leaders uh, have, have come out with a uh, their program, uh, and you probably, if some of uh, people have heard about it. They want to go, what we did back in COVID days, and pass a uh, what what is called a skinny budget or a continuation budget, which simply doesn't take in anybody's wants, wishes, or desires from either the right or the left, uh, and just continues on. Uh, And we know them as continuation bills in the federal government, where they really don't do anything, they just keep government open. The thought process behind the leadership, uh, the Republican leadership, uh, is that uh, to get that out, to make sure uh, that we uh, have government Functioning past June 30th. I thought it was interesting as you as you read more and more about uh, Governor Hobbs and her lead up to the uh, to the to the speech and to her budget. She said one of the things that kept her awake at night was uh, was was closing down government. And then she comes out with a package that automatically wants to get rid of uh, 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 school choice. In the ESA program, I mean, she's setting up roadblocks right for, in for the beginning. I haven't seen, um, and typically the leadership of the Democrat Party does not put out a budget. Um, it's unlike what the Republicans did when Governor Ducey was in. The House and the Senate always had a budget, uh, and it's not uncommon for us to introduce that before the governor in the last several years, before the governor presented the executive budget, actually it's, a, it's the legislature's responsibility to put the budget together. And in fact, before the great uh, recession, um, uh, that was the way it worked. And I think that what happened during the great recession, it was just easier to put all the blame on the governor. So the governor took over that authority and the legislature left them habit. it. But that, that's off the topic just a little bit. but uh, so And I know last year we fought and asked and conjoled to try to get uh, a Democrat budget from the Senate, and we, we never got it. Uh, now at the end, because we had to negotiate and have a bipartisan budget, we did, we did have some other asks. Um, I'm concerned uh, about passing a skinny budget or a con- continuation budget. The goal is good. But I don't know if it will get passed because members that want something, uh, for example, T.J. Shope will want some money for uh, I-10 uh, between Casa Grande and uh, Wild Horse Pass uh, that the feds did decided not to fund. If you don't have that in a, some sense of the, it's in the budget, I'm not sure that the members will say, yeah, I will get my bill later. Uh, people get very nervous when you have a budget. Uh, and you can run the state government and your package isn't in or something that you really need or really want for either your schools or your community, uh, roads, infrastructure, bridges, uh, all those things, kind of, you know, you don't have the same sense of urgency uh, and togetherness where you say, well, yeah, it's in the budget, so I'm good. This way it won't be in the budget. Every bill will be freestanding, and and I'm not sure, and I really haven't had a chance to... uh, to, to scope it out with uh, members of the majority party, the Republican Party, to see what their feeling is. I know what the press is saying, that they're all, all lockstep, but it becomes uh, not so lockstep when all of a sudden you're at the mercy of leadership, whether or not your $6 million uh, program or your $10 million program is going to go through to help uh, get a, a, a road in Morana, so to speak, or uh, do something in Dale. So uh maybe a long-winded answer i'm concerned um i'm concerned about the the skinny budget going forward not that it's a bad idea but i just don't know that people are going to vote for it
1: mr producer let's take our bottom of the hour break you're listening to inside track with our special guest senator vince leach trusted uh that trusted news and talk we'll be right back with senator leach
0: remember no flipping I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists. Interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon tucson iron and steel retail 701 east 36th street call 520-209-1576 or go to tucsonironretail.com and when you do call mention this ad and receive an additional 10 percent discount on their already great prices
1: essential pest control leaves bugs belly up with science
2: You mean you don't use a shoe?
1: No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people,
2: and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com.
4: This is Eb Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management. Are you letting rising inflation interfere with your ammo budget? Don't do that. Let us show you how to buy the same goods and services 20 years from now as you can today. We manage money for gun owners, and we can guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911 or wilkinsonwealthmgmt.com.
0: Welcome back to Inside Track. We're chatting with our special guest, Senator Vince Leach. If you have a question or comment relevant to our discussion today with the Senator, please call into the Wilkinson Wealth Management Live Line at 520-790-2040. Senator, I'd like to get back to the leadership in uh, both houses. um, And I'm going to ask, I got kind of two asks here. First, our leaders on the Senate and House side, how do uh oh. Okay. All right. Well, what I'm what I'm going to try to do when we do get a hold of Vince again, I'm sure he'll be right back. He's coming back from a uh, event right now in uh, Benson. And uh, as you're running through some of those um, uh, uh, freeway areas that are surrounded you, surrounded by mountains, uh, you can lose uh, reception. I've been doing that for 40-some-odd for years, coming back from Sierra Vista and having plenty of uh, uh, discussions uh, that have been interrupted. Um, but I, I want to talk to Vince about his ability to—do we get Vince back, Tom? Okay, so you know i'm concerned uh, about our leaders in the house and senate and how they stack up with the democrat leaders and i'm also very concerned because the republican caucus is razor thin i mean it's it's like semiconductor wafer thin and I'm concerned about some of the left of center in our own caucus, uh, like Mr. Shope, who he briefly mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, uh, and how they're going to uh, go one way or another. Uh, so uh, I think we've got- Bruce, while we're waiting for yeah. him, what the heck is the caucus when you say that? Isn't that just all the Republicans? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, with, with the slim majorities we have, if there's anybody who jumps out, Got it. And votes on the other side. We don't have a deal. Tom, do we have our uh, do we have our man back?
3: Yeah, we all were, right. Woo! Must be. I was uh, really enthused. Uh, uh, my phone uh, after that uh, opening discussion got warm and and said you gotta cool your phone down, son. So I'm back. It's cooled <laughs> off.
0: Okay. So I want to talk uh, for a second about the strength of our leaders in the House and Senate versus the Democrat leaders of the uh, Senate and the House. And, and I want to also talk about that wafer thin majority that we have and the fragility of it uh, and the fragility of it when it comes to some of the outliers like a TJ Shope. Can you do that on both of those questions?
3: Yeah, I sure can. Um, the, uh, let me start with the, on the democratic side. Uh, it was uh uh, it was apparent. I had the opportunity to to work uh, to be on a, a panel discussion with two Democrats and two Republicans. None of us returning, and each one of us talked about our respective parties uh, from both uh, members of both the House and the Senate, and the split that's happening. And it's we see it uh, primarily on the Republican side. That's the one we see, and we and it's there. But the same thing, uh, Bruce is is happening on the uh, uh on the left side and they've got uh, they don't have a of target you're seeing some even last year you're seeing people that split off when we tried to do the bipartisan budget and so while the vote in in the, the house and the senate uh, for the democrat leadership seem to be solidified the undercurrents still are there from the previous year on the republican side completely different Um, Very interesting, Uh, the the vote for Senate president, and that's where leadership starts, the vote for Senate uh, leadership and the president was a split vote. Uh, And very interesting uh, and somewhat and very concerning uh, is that the vote was uh, 10 uh, to 9, 10 votes for now-elected Senator Warren Peterson and nine votes for senator Gowan. now in and of itself that's interesting that it was that close but here's the the really interesting thing is that there are only 16 senators elected so (laughs) there's a problem there (laughs) that uh 19 people voted for leadership and only 16 were elected and what does that mean uh if you're not following everything that means that people were uh, brought into the election, which apparently they allowed in that room. I wasn't in there, uh, but they brought into that room that were not going to win. And uh, I don't know how anybody voted because that was a, a closed, uh, a closed vote and a secret ballot vote. Uh, but something's wrong there, particularly when you talk about the Republican Party being the the, the party of election integrity, uh, and that split. Um, and I can address it more in the, in the, uh, in the Senate because that's where I came from, that split is still there, uh, that, that, that split up and down. Majority leader and the, uh, the whip uh, were both uh, voted in with unanimous uh, unanimous election. But the top position, the one that controls the, the committees, the one that controls the bill flow uh, and all that, um, that's it's a very, very thin margin. Now you go to the next point that you made, Bruce, and that's a very fine Vince,
0: margin. Before you yep. go there, before you go there, uh, Bruce has been on the line uh, with a question for about eight minutes now. Can we get uh, Bruce's oh. question in, and and then we'll come back, Bruce? You have a question for sure. Senator Leach?
3: I sure do, and my question is regarding to um, the voucher system for the schools. Now, isn't this? Didn't all three, like the, the Senate and the House, and come together, and then the governor signed the bill, right? Uh, Bruce, and that's so, correct. Uh, that okay, was, so there then, was a lot of work so then Hobbs, to get that then put Hobbs through. Hobbs can't undo the bill, right? Well, she can undo the bill, and I think it was, uh, I, I personally think, uh, and we'll see how it plays out, uh, is, is that I think it was window dressing uh, on on her part that she was going to get this through in some kind of a budget, uh, a, a budget extravaganza that would take care of... Uh, to make ESAs go away. It's law, uh, and uh, that's what it is, and it's 26 or 27,000 kids now. It will expand another 10,000 kids next year. Now, she's painting pictures uh, to the public that it's going to cost the state $1.3, $1.4 billion and scaring people that will come in. Well, that money is actually going and following the students into the schools that the parents and the children want to go to Rather than going to a uh, a public government school that is not teaching kids, did that answer it for you, Bruce? Yeah, it it did for the most it did for the most part. And, and you know, thank you for your service and your time that you have put in because you certainly have.
0: Thanks very much for your question, Bruce. I appreciate it, uh, Senator. Let's go back uh, again as to the wafer thin majority that we have. What are your concerns about uh, about? particularly um, mr. Shope, and the way that uh, he's handled himself in prior elections and how dependable is he going to be uh, in this very very uh, close Republican uh, majority
3: well I think you have you have uh, uh, three three portions there uh, Bruce you have uh, Senator Shope that tends to be uh, you know we talk about the Republican Party being a center-right party in the state of Arizona and I truly believe that it is center- right par- party it's not a far right and it's not right on center uh, mr. Shope tends to be he, he tickles that right in the center line and and has in the past uh, held up some bills but we also have and and now he's I, I, I didn't say I didn't say anything about the pro tem he's now part of leadership so he's working uh, with the Senate president and the majority whip and the majority leader. It's interesting that I've noticed uh, here of late, he seems to have taken the spokesman responsibility over, uh, at least for the Senate uh, as regards to the speech and to the, uh, and to the budget. Uh, so he will stay on that side of the curve right towards the center. Uh, and then we have what I would call more people that voted like me um, and, and center right. But not certainly far, far right. And we have now we have a split caucus in the Senate that we have uh, basically eight and eight. And it's wherever they go, uh, whatever uh, thing, whatever consensus they can put together amongst them. Uh, I would put, uh, not because of politics, but I would put uh, TJ probably on the side uh, of the Senate president. Opposite in political theory. But because uh, uh, he's serving in leadership, sometimes you uh, – and I. this, this is going to sound terrible. I don't mean it this way. You bend a knee. You're part of leadership, so you take the leadership position. Uh, I'm worried about the far right, and I'll tell you why I'm worried about It's last year we had a far right uh, contingency budget, and the far right in the House killed it. Um, and then uh, and it got a lot of things that they wanted in the budget but they wouldn't come and say we're gonna vote for it. Uh, and so that forced uh, uh, the leadership, Mr. Toma and uh, uh, and Bowers, Karen fan and S- Senator Gowan to, we have to legislatively and constitutional wise, we have to pass a budget by the end of the year. single job budget. It's, yeah, that's our job. That's our only job. And so we were forced to go to the other side and a budget that went in a continuing, continuing budget from about twelve million dollars, a very skinny budget, it got up just short of uh, eighteen million dollars. The one-seat majority—everybody has seen that for the last for the last two years. Uh, the one-seat majority and how anybody can be a kingmaker, and that that newfound—it's very difficult. Uh, the hours that we spent within leadership. In the last two years trying to pull everybody together uh, particularly for example to go into one detail is uh, on the two and a half percent flat tax we negotiated that for the better part of three weeks back and forth trying to get everybody on there was one gentleman Senator Boyer that really didn't want to go there so we had to put some stopgaps in there that uh, made him comfortable which by the way we hit already and so everybody is under the two and a half percent flat tax going into 23. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, it's going to be a challenge because as you see far right bills come out, uh, will the center group of the Republican Party get on board? Uh, or will Mr. Shope on the other side get on board? That's that's something yet to be seen. And uh, I know that they're having closed caucuses already, which are normally reserved. Until later on in the session,
1: Vince. Stupid question. Why would anybody yeah. be against the two and a half percent flat tax? Um, the, the
3: the the issue that came up is in the state of Arizona. We have revenue sharing uh, that was put into way before I got here. There was an agreement with cities and towns that we would and, and counties that we would uh, share revenue. We would collect revenue. Uh, from income tax, and we would share that uh, with the locals, and in exchange, they would not have their own local their local you know, income tax. Um, we were at sixteen percent. Sixteen percent of what we collect uh, goes back to cities and towns. Which, by the way, right now are and there's going to be a lot of mayors mad at me for saying this. They are flush with cash. With they the are. advent uh, with yeah, they're flush with cash. I mean, COVID forced people to go online. We passed the Wayfair bill that collected that sales tax. They got tons of money from the federal government that they haven't even spent yet. The same with K-12, uh, that ha- they haven't even spent yet. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and the argument was, well, if you're cutting income tax, follow the math here, if you're cutting income tax, you're, there's going to be less money to divvy up. Therefore they forced us to get to get the two and a half percent through they forced us to go uh, up from 16 percent to 18 uh, percent on shared revenue. Um, we showed them on paper where it, it, uh, it just doesn't work out mathematically that they didn't need the money but sometimes uh, perception is greater, greater than uh, uh, than reality. This has and, been this and- has
0: been an argument that the Democrats haven't haven't uh, understood for uh, over a century now, and uh, you know you go back to the time of of Calvin Coolidge when when it was the Republicans that wanted to lower taxes uh, to to get greater revenues and the left at that time or the progressives as they call themselves at the time and, and again today were against it let me let me move if i can uh to uh sure. to a question um uh outside of finance that i think a lot of the listeners here are interested in and that's the life issue um arizona has uh, uh their own legislation that was passed in the last session uh the supreme court ruled on uh both uh 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 the uh, Wade case, as well as uh, the Dobbs case. Um, And now Chris Mays, uh, the new attorney general, wants to basically uh, have nullification and she's going to um, uh, not uh, uphold the law uh, of the land, uh, which they talk so much about. And uh, which way is the legislature going to go on this and what is needed to preserve the life positions that this state has?
3: Well... Uh, you and I and many of your listeners have said elections have consequences, uh, and we're seeing not only what what uh, the attorney general is doing on this particular subject, and I'm not changing the subject, but I have to make this point because I'm reading now where sheriffs across the country are selecting which which laws they're going to uh, you know that they're going to enforce and which laws they're not going to dangerous enforce. dangerous precedent. Law- yeah yes well the rule of law is getting very slippery it's 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 perched on the cliff and it could go over sometime when when people just say we're not going to enforce it uh you will see i mean the legislature is ready to go with the 15 week we passed that that was senator bartle bill we passed that it got through i voted for it twice once in committee and, and again on the floor we got that through and that you know that is law um if we have to take it to court if we uh and i've not talked to the center for arizona policy uh about what their steps may be if if it's not uh if it's not allowed if they uh open it wide up to basically abortions on the birthing table that's gross that sounds gross
0: but it's murder is, they what it, are. is.
3: It, it is it is it simply is and and so and you might remember there was a floor argument when Steve Smith was still there and uh, uh, and Katie Hobbs was the uh, minority leader about you know giving help to babies that had survived an abortion uh, that were on you know the gurney and the doctor would say we're not going to help them we we fixed that we fixed it that was that was terrible but the left would say no that's you know, it's not a person, which is terrible. So there will be a fight over that. Fortunately, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Miss Hobbs, Governor Hobbs discovered that she probably shouldn't start off the session with a special session to repeal all that. Uh, because that would have set up a fight. It's funny. It's funny, Bruce, and I know you've been looking at this. It's funny. She keeps saying she wants to reach across the aisle. She wants to do everything and strangle uh, Republicans. Republicans. That's
0: how she's reaching across the she, aisle.
3: Exactly. Exactly. And she she got the majority leader, uh, the the speaker, and the president to come to her office, and it was nothing but a but a uh, a photo op um let me talk about the attorney general and that election just one thing further you and i have spoken about a a process called the 1487 uh where where if a legislature thinks that tucson uh phoenix a county uh, flagstaff anybody is doing something that's in violation of state law we can write for an action from the attorney general to look at it and to see whether or not the attorney general thinks uh it is in fact either questionable or against the law uh, if the attorney general says and this is the decision you really want if he thinks it's questionable it goes right to the supreme court and it has to be acted upon in 30 days that was a major 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 tool for legislators and we used it several several times uh i'm afraid i haven't seen any signal of it but i'm afraid that tool has just left the toolbox uh and they will uh they will come the attorney general staff will come back and say well no it's not in violation of uh of state law that concerns me that's 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 the one tool that we had to keep in check uh the wildness that goes on in phoenix and tucson uh and and Flagstaff and and other areas i mean we had we had one up in the Northeast on a marijuana-growing facility. So uh, a lot of input on that particular deal with the, with the AG, uh, picking and choosing what, uh, um, what cases are going to take. Uh, what we saw at the end with Miss Hobbs being in the Secretary of State is a phenomenon called sue and settle. Um, right. So she would, she would enter a lawsuit and say that uh, she was going to defend it but then she just negotiated her way out and, and settled it we saw that on two or three cases one of which was an election case
0: so so let me let me change let me change our, our focus just a little bit um, uh, it appears to me the, the the governor has sort of a wish list and dream list but not a lot of plans. Uh, the other dream that she has is to uh, abolish the right to work law here in Arizona. how likely is it that she's going to be successful there?
3: Is there any room between slim and none? Um, that's uh, I looked that up when I when I heard that. That's uh, a, a bill that was introduced by uh, Representative Salman, S A L M A N. Uh, she introduces anywhere between 50 and 75 uh, bills year in and year out. She came in uh, to the legislature the same I, same year I did, I've, so I've seen all of her bills. None of them uh, will they'll be assigned. Uh, to a committee, um, some of them may not even be assigned. In Arizona, you don't have to assign a bill to a committee. Some of them may be assigned to the committee, uh, and it will uh, it will die a, a quick death. In fact, it's probably dead already. I have not checked with uh, Speaker Toma to see uh, if if he's even going to assign it. If it does get assigned. Um, it won't be heard in, in commerce, and it, uh, and it won't be heard in their judicial uh, uh, committee. So it's, it's dead.
0: We're down to about our last five minutes here on the show today. Vince, let's go quickly to housing, affordable housing. Uh, the governor has uh, talked about plans for, um, uh, you know, getting uh, all of these homeless people into housing be- and really has sort of bypassed the treatment part of it. Um, how likely is it that there will be a common sense solution on affordable housing, uh, if it, if it only involves the state government and not private industry?
3: Unfortunately, there will probably be money going there. We tried to uh, have a different program uh, last year that was introduced, uh, and and I, I actually I carried the bill. Uh, but it's a it's a program that's going into effect in various states. Utah has it already. Uh, Texas has it already, as well as Georgia. Uh, first of all, uh, the housing trust fund does not work. We have put money in the housing trust fund longer than I have been in the legislature. It does not work. Secondarily, the majority of the people that are on the street don't want to live in a brick and mortar and a stick house. They will not. Uh, they want to be there comfortable on the street. That sounds terrible and it sounds foreign to people that like their house. Uh, but these people like the street, that's, that's where they are. Uh, and, we had a program that's introduced in other states. Well, first, before I go there, the other thing that we're hampered by, the Ninth Circuit said you can't take people off the street and put them uh, someplace that they don't want to be uh, unless you have a bed for everybody. I, I don't know if you remember that. And so the Ninth Circuit is the only one that, that's under that edict. And so, like Phoenix they don't have beds for everybody. What we wanted to do and what has been successful, albeit on a limited basis, is to go ahead and put uh, an area, fence it, give protection, give medical care, give showers, be able to have pets there uh, and have rules, no drugs, no alcohol. Uh, You have to make arrangements for family. You have to make arrangements for pets. All the things, that the homeless have dealt with. Now, there's a whole nother sector of the homeless population that's just they're out of a job. And you can help them. Uh, I find it hard that they're out of a job with every business I go into. They're looking very people. hard. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. But but the majority of people on the street, that's where they want to be. Give them a safe place. Give them care, give them treatment to your point, earlier point, give them treatment, give them protection, um, give them facility, shower facilities, keep them clean and then get them. Um, Oh golly. What's uh, the mayor of, uh, Greendale, uh, has got a program where, you know, he's doing this already on a much smaller basis. And they go out and they do city work, and he employs them and pays them, and then they come back to a central place where they live at night. Uh, and we're funding that. I think we we gave uh, Jerry Wires. You may remember that name, Bruce. Absolutely. Uh, he used to be speaker of the, the speaker of the House. Uh, he's started that program. He's got vans. Uh, that he that he moves people around and they do various jobs for the city and various jobs for uh, the private sector. Those programs can work. Building more houses for people that don't want to live in houses is not the
1: answer. Right. Hey Vince, we're down to the last minute and 25 seconds. What one thing do you want to leave our listeners with in in 45 seconds?
3: One thing that I. <laughs> yeah, that I just found out yesterday. It, it's uh, House uh, Concurrent Resolution Two Zero One Seven. It was introduced by the uh, by the members of the LD Seventeen uh, Seventeen uh, representation. It would take away uh, property tax from those that don't have a mortgage. Now, what happens when you take away that that tax from those people is it's going to be shifted to someplace else? So if you have a mortgage and if this were to go through, your, your property tax will go up. Schools, roads, counties will not lower their tax rate. You will see your tax rate go up. HCR 2017.
0: Thank you, Vince. That's gonna do it for us today. There's all kinds of stuff that we still have to talk about another time. We need to bring you back. But we'll, we're at the end of our time today. Uh, please, we, we have you scheduled. We have you scheduled all through the year. Thank you. All right. Insiders, be sure to check out my Facebook and Twitter accounts for the latest news and views in the news. Until next week for Inside Track, this is Bruce Ash And Eb Wilkinson. Wishing you all a very pleasant good afternoon. See you again in 167 hours.